I mean, I don't mind having, you know, like they did with What's-His-Face um, in all the Marvel movies. Spike Lee. Stanley. Stanley and Spike Lee. Oh, <laughs> Boop. From Rosemary's Baby and Reggie McNeil to Jason, Freddy, and Chucky to Samara, Jigsaw, and Pennywise, we can't get enough. If it's blood-curdling, spine-tingling, breath-quickening, or soul-stealing, we are ready to watch it. Welcome to Hilltop Horror Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Ray Richards. With me tonight are my two co-hosts, Ann Conley. Hey, guys. What's up? And Helen Stewart. Hello. All right. For new listeners, this will be our format for tonight's episode. First, I'm going to introduce the movie we'll be reviewing and rating tonight. Then we're going to run through our expectations going into the watch. Next, we're going to play the trailer and review the movie in roughly chronological order. After the review, Helen's going to take us through our kill, chill, and thrill section. And finally, we'll wrap up with our ratings. All right, tonight we are going to review the 2002 American science fiction horror film Signs. Written and directed by M. Night Shyamalan and executive produced by Shyamalan, Frank Marshall, Kathleen Kennedy, and Sam Mercer. Its story focuses on a former Episcopalian priest named Graham Hess, played by Mel Gibson, who discovers a series of crop circles in his cornfield. Hess slowly discovers that the phenomenon is a result of extraterrestrial life. It also stars Joaquin Phoenix, Rory Culkin, and Abigail Breslin. Signs explores the themes of faith, kinship, and extraterrestrials. All right, so why don't we go into our expectations going into the watch. Helen, what were your expectations? So I'd seen this before, probably around the time that it came out, because I know Sixth Sense was such a huge film that everybody like raved about, so we were all expecting another blockbuster from M. Night Shyamalan. And all I remember from this film is just the creepy alien fingers, and I couldn't remember any other details <laughs> except for that. So I was excited to see it again to see if I missed anything or would pick up on something else going forward. And? Cool. Yeah, I was, um, I don't know, lukewarm on seeing this one again. Um, similar to Helen's experience, definitely experienced this at the peak of its excitement. Sixth Sense was huge. M. Night Shyamalan was like the new, you know, up and coming director. Everybody was clamoring to see his next productions. He was like the second coming of Christ in, you know, 2000 <laughs> or something like that. And weirdly enough, this was actually filmed down the road from where I lived. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So it was funny because, of course, there was all this clamor and that M. Night Shyamalan was coming to town and they were taking over the town. Um, so they actually filmed this right down the street in a local community college area. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they actually built the house. Yes, I did see that. Okay, cool. So that's good that that syncs up. <laughs> <laughs> I did not look that up ahead of time. Um, but I recall them actually manufacturing the house and it really being far back in this uh, corn farm, if you will, quote unquote. And then, of course, the, the downtown area of Newtown, PA, right down from where I live. So it was cool, though, getting back into that and seeing that come up again. For me, that was probably... One of the most exciting parts of this movie. <laughs> yeah, so as listeners of the podcast will know, we rotate through picking the movies. And what we've done the last couple of weeks is we've actually added like a fourth slot for movies that uh, people who listen to the podcast want us to review. So this movie actually was requested back in February uh, by Crystal uh, on Facebook. She reached out to us and asked to have this movie reviewed. So... Shout out. 
There you go, Crystal. We're, <laughs> we're, we're reviewing it. For, for good or for ill, we'll find out. But um, yeah, it, I've seen this movie before. I saw it back in probably 2002 or 2003. I don't know if I saw it in the theaters or not, to be honest with you. But I was I was interested in seeing it again. I mean, it had been so long. And I obviously remembered the, you know, the Shyamalan twist in the movie. But, you know, I didn't really remember that much about it other than that. So I was interested in seeing it again. All right. Well, Anne, why don't you uh, why don't you roll the trailer? Okay, great. It's trailer time and action. Morgan! Are you hurt? I think God did it. Did what, Morgan? A former minister lives with his asthmatic son Morgan and daughter Bo, who leaves glasses of water around the house for various reasons, and his younger brother Merrill, a failed minor league baseball player, on an isolated farm in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. Hess has lost faith and given up on his priesthood after his wife Colleen died in a traffic accident caused by, lo- by town local Ray Reddy. One morning, Graham discovers a crop circle in his field. While investigating the crop circle with the local law enforcement, Graham learns of animals becoming violent across town. Morgan is forced to kill one of the family dogs when it turns violent against Bo. They hear reports of crop circles appearing all over the globe and of lights from invisible objects over Mexico. Later, Graham and Merrill find the farm is being watched by a tall, dark figure who disappears into the fields when they give chase. The next day, they hear strange noises over a baby monitor but cannot find their source. Graham approaches the crop circle, but on seeing a green leg sticking out of the cornrows, flees back to the house. Okay, so a little fake news. Even though I'm from Doylestown, that's not where this is filmed, or not the town that's what? referenced in the movie. You mean the movie isn't real? <laughs> <laughs> well, they clearly show Newtown. They show the sign of the town and the downtown in this movie, so I might have to go back and correct this wiki. But I will say, before we get too much into it, because I know there will be references later on, the one thing that irked me a bit about this is, just geographically speaking, that this is not really what I would consider rural Pennsylvania. It's it's suburbia, for sure. I mean, it's an hour north of Philadelphia, but sort of just the aesthetics of the home really being really heavy farmhousey. You have like the braided circle rug, like almost more like Lancaster is what it felt like, right? Like it's... Definitely, oh, almost out in Amish country. Oh, definitely, I think so. I mean, they should have really put this in Chester County, Pennsylvania, where the Amish are, because I will tell you, you can go from Doylestown on 611 straight to Philly, and you do not hit, like, a blank spot. It's buildings and commercialized towns and, and commercialized. I mean, it's been built up more since this, but 
it's a bit over the top. It's like you could find that one house, that one farm that's still standing in that area, and it might look something like that. But then you're also kind of like, what? why is a minister living on a farm in the middle of nowhere, you know, and then with his family, which is fine. But then how long did it take you guys to realize that that was his younger brother? Like, I had for- completely forgotten that. Yeah, I totally thought it was his son for a while. <laughs> yeah, me too. Because I feel like, how old is Joaquin Phoenix compared <laughs> to Paul Gibson? I thought there must be a significant age gap. Hold on, hold on, wait a minute. Wait a minute. My favorite new segment is how old are the actors? And how you compare to and, them? And compared to them, how old <laughs> is Mel Gibson in this movie? Instead of how old were are they now, it's how old were they then? How old were they then? How old do you think they were, Helen? I would have said he's 50. I would have guessed 52. Yeah, well, he's only three years older than I am now no. in that movie. No, Mel Gibson like, Mel is so Gibson. old. He does look super so, duper old. Sorry, Mel. Every single time we do this, it's definitely in Ray's favor. <laughs> hey. Lucky so, so I'm wondering if he's choosing this. <laughs> like the you, time you, to bring it up is now. <laughs> yeah, you, you'll notice I will never choose if it's the other way around. Oh, my God. So he was like 43? Yeah, he was like 43, movie? yep. Oh, that's crazy. There have no, been better skin yeah. creams invented since oh, then. Well, he has a lot of like, he has those jowl lines yeah, or whatever going jowl. on. Yeah, man's got wrinkles for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's Helen, the to your hard point, farm work. Joaquin looks like 20. He, yeah, he looked really young. I mean, young 20s. We could give right. him like a 23, 24, whatever. Right, but, I wouldn't have gone mm. over 25. Yeah, I wouldn't have yeah. gone over 25 either. But well, then, obviously if the family does not age well, you would, <laughs> <laughs> you would yeah, think that uh, Joaquin was younger. Yeah, that was weird. So the age gap was huge. And then the, then he has these young kids that, you know, are, are only half Joaquin's age. Like, you know, how old's the kid supposed to be? 10? Ten. Ten. I would have said 10, yeah. And then the girl's I six? Maybe, yeah, a little bit younger. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought for sure they were all siblings. Or like it was um, some dude renting the garage. It's <laughs> yes. like who's this He's guy? He's the manny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, or or like the crop hand or something on this random farm. Yeah, he's the ra- he's the ranch the hand that priest. goes out and does the farming. Yeah. Yeah, because you know the priest isn't out there harvesting well, yeah. corn. Yeah, I didn't. I was trying to figure. <laughs> did does he rent the fields out to like local farmers? That was just weird. That yeah, the whole no. thing was weird. Yeah, I mean they 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 do show a tractor in the barn yes. or outside the barn mm-hmm. at one point, but. Just seems odd that he would be out there planting corn. Right. And you don't actually see him do any farm work. But fun <laughs> fact about Joaquin Phoenix is he wasn't supposed to be in this movie. It was supposed to be Mark Ruffalo. Not sure how old no he way. would be in conjunction to all of this. Gosh, but was... he ended up getting a brain tumor. <gasps> Didn't know this at all. But it ended up being benign. So I guess everything's cool. Wow. In yeah. Case, in case some of the listeners don't know who Mark Ruffalo is, he's the Hulk. Yeah. And back in the day, he was in a lot of rom-coms, right? He was the yeah. romantic interest in like a handful of movies. I, I really want to make a gamma radiation joke here, but oh I'm not no, make a gamma it's joke too soon because it's because it's Hulk. Because <laughs> it's Hulk. That's not right. Because <laughs> it's Hulk, but still, right. <laughs> I laughed anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody had to for Ray. So <laughs> yeah. So the other piece I want to dive into, as far as fun fact trivia, were about the crop circles. So this is one thing that was a very dorky phenomenon in our area as well. There definitely were really? crop circles. Oh, yeah. And mostly they were geeks going out and creating crop circles. In fact, I had friends that were, you know, to this day, highly intelligent, super dorky, you know, physics majors, so on and so forth, probably working for the government today, that would actually plot out the designs, mathematically calculate how to construct these crop circles 
it, you know, at midnight in pitch black with rope and a board. Right. And then they would use a blowtorch, I believe, to melt the corn stalks over. So everything they say in that opening where Joaquin is basically like, it's just a bunch of dorks trying to scare you. And all they do is go out there with a board and a piece of rope. I was dying because I was like, that's exactly what they do. I mean, they probably interviewed locals and got these stories. And I mean, that probably you know was brought into the script from there. Yeah, this, this crop circles made me think of X-Files. And also made me think of, there was this show on, I don't remember the name of it, in the early 90s when X-Files was on in its heyday. And it was all about this strange phenomena. And they always had um, crop circles on. It was, it was like a... It's like a Twilight fo- Zone. No, no, Unsolved no, no. Mysteries. No, no, no. It was, it, was, it was like a faux news show. Like it was a half an hour and it was almost like this guy on there like giving you like these uh, these news stories and there was I weird news. That. It might be called Signs. It might have been called that? Signs. I feel like it was called Signs. Anyway, anyway, it w- yeah, I, I loved that show. I loved the X-Files. I was super into like, you know, the alien thing. Wait, there and all was that. a show called Signs. I think you're right. I think, it, I, think I am right. Oh. But yeah, so I was super into it then, and it just kind of brought that back, the whole crop circle thing. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. But I, you know, funny enough, you watch this and you kind of go, gosh, I haven't heard anything about crop circles in forever. Yeah. There was a long period of time where they were popping up, and I don't think it was, in my brain, local. I think there was a lot of like far away ones where they were coming on the news. Yeah. There was, I mean, in this territory, there were definitely some localized ones, but I mean, you just kind of think, gosh, I mean, it's been almost 20 years and I can't remember the last time other than this era that I've even heard about crop circles what, happening. Do you know the difference between a real crop circle and a fake crop circle? <laughs> no. W- whether you believe or not. <laughs> nope. Supposedly, the soil is irradiated in a real crop circle. You got to do soil tests. Oh. That's what See, they say. previous reference to physics dorks and probably just, stealing I'm, some plutonium. I'm just saying. Huh. I, I don't, don't believe I that I don't anyways. think high school, high school dorks have access to plutonium, but yeah. I think you'd be surprised. Maybe. <laughs> College dorks, only a couple of years <laughs> later. There you go. <laughs> they can order it through their science lab. They'll, they'll be able or- to get it. <laughs> you can order it online. <laughs> That's right. So yeah, the thing about the girl with the water is is funny. And I don't know, do you know anybody that has that sort of like... Phobia? Yeah, phobia or weird tick, I guess. Oh my gosh. So my daughter, if she has a glass of water next to her bed, it has to be fresh. So I saw that as definitely the same, like it's a real thing. So she cannot have anything out of the tap from the bathroom. For some reason, it tastes weird to her. And so like, you know, you're trying to go to bed and get her down. You don't want to leave her because then she gets (laughs) up and starts playing. You have to go all the way down in the kitchen where there's the filtered water and give her that, and it has to be fresh. Oh, wow. That's crazy. So if aliens are invading, have your daughter taste test the water. Oh, we, we, we are like signs, too, up in the bedroom. Ah. So there's like 30 cups, and I'm always like, Get, bring your cups down, and, and so we, can, <laughs> we will kill some aliens. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. That is too funny. We don't have any water issues. None that I Not I've... at all? Maybe. No. no. I don't know. I mean, we grew up in Doylestown, Pennsylvania with well water. And so it always tasted very earthy and like a little sweet. Mm-hmm. So it's funny when I come, when I came here and people were like, don't drink the tap water. And you're like, uh, what? Like it's public water. Like they're treating it. It's not like it's out of some irradiated well <laughs> under the house. Oh, okay. I don't know. What about you, Ray? No, wa- no water, water issues. Hmm. Nope. I'm good. So they find the crop circle 
and then they bring in the the sheriff, right? She comes in, and there's this scene where she's sitting talking to Mel Gibson and Joaquin Phoenix, right? And there's like this weird cadence to the conversation, and it's kind of funny and kind of awkward. And I'm be honest with you, I think that's like what this movie is to me. I thought it was kind of an awkward movie, and I had forgotten how much I think M. Night Shyamalan's movies are sort of awkwardly directed. Like, I could feel his direction in the way the camera moved. It was very overt to me. The way the actors moved, like, I felt like they were being directed very strictly. Like, don't turn, you know, move very slowly. Like, do this, do that. And and even, like, in this humor, like, the way that it played between the cop and the, bro- and the brother... Like I thought, very weird to me on watching a second time. It didn't feel natural. And I'm not sure it was supposed to feel natural necessarily. Like I think it's supposed to feel that way, I guess. But I was distracted by it almost. Yeah, I didn't notice it too much. But then at one point it did feel like puppeteering almost like. Mm -hmm. So I thought it had to have something to do with the movie, but I couldn't figure out what it was. I'll be honest with you. I think it's his directing style because I feel like The Sixth Sense was like that. And I feel like... Um, Unbreakable was like that. Like, I remember it being slow and the people sort of moving in a deliberate way almost that didn't seem necessarily natural. But the sixth sense, it all made sense in the end, not to double pun it. But um, but basically, right, the whole idea that, all right, spoiler alert. So if you haven't seen Sixth Sense, do not listen to this, right, that he's dead. So everything has to revolve around him, that he's not really there. Nothing can move. So it was totally okay that it was somewhat awkward and stilted around him. But I agree with you 100%, right? This was just flat out weird, awkward, unnatural. The timing of the conversation, the jokes. When they're talking about the Swedish Olympian or what, a Scandinavian? (laughs) Scandinavian. I was dying. And, And like, they're looking so serious. And you're like, is she being cheeky on purpose? Like, I could get that she was playing a deadpan because she's basically just being devil's advocate. Right. But like... Joaquin wasn't even exacerbated. He was just like staring at her a little bit like, (laughs) is she for real? But not enough for you to think like, does he think that she's joking or not joking or trying to figure it out? And then he comes back into it like, okay, ignoring the fact that there might have been an escaped Scandinavian Olympian (laughs) high jumper standing outside my house at midnight. Like, but even the way that he said it, it wasn't like super jokey. So I don't know. Yeah, that whole thing was like a little weird. But it was funny. Like if you had played it back, it was really funny. Yeah, everything that she had to say I thought was hilarious. I loved her. She was a great character. Except for the your wife is pinned against the I mean, that wasn't her fault. (laughs) I know. I'm just saying that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and and just I loved Joaquin's acting generally throughout this movie as well. I thought he had some really amazing expressions and some really real moments. You kind of forget – what a good actor Joaquin is. And it's funny to see him here and think of him in the movie Her. Is it her or she? I think it's Whatever her, the computer. Her? <laughs> but I don't know if I've... Was that the phone one? Yeah. Um, Where he's in love with the phone? Like yeah, it's Siri? Yeah, it's a computer. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. I don't yeah. know if I've seen that one. Yeah. No, it's, it's really good, by the way. You should see that. Yeah, and just how much he's progressed as well. But I thought it was good that he was kind of this sort of awkward minor league reject, right? Kind of figuring out his life. Like that all sort of worked. As well. What did you think about 
Mel Gibson and him when they run around the house and Mel Gibson's yelling the <laughs> the not really, you know, curse words or whatever till the very end. Oh, I mean, did, did, did you buy into that or did you did you kind of think that was I'm really mad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm coming around now. Um <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. I thought the lead up into that scene was atrocious. I thought his execution of the awkward running around and screaming awkward things as a priest was fine because it was meant to be so awkward. And then he kind of did it and you're like, oh, that was great. But the whole believability around the, I can't say those things because I'm a priest. Like he didn't necessarily tie them together because I used to be a priest. Like you're just kind of going, what's your deal, Mel Gibson? Like what you're, you just seem like a robot. Like what's happening? Like he was a normal dude until like that scene. And all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, you, what you, you never cursed. Like, you never yelled? Like, you don't understand what yelling means and to be kind of crazy? So I read something about where he said he doesn't like to take... I don't know if it's not... Not that he didn't like to take introspective roles, but, like, this was the most introspective role that he had ever taken, and he didn't really particularly care for those. That's shocking and, that and could sad. Be. Yeah, I Because <laughs> this was not what I would consider a super deep role. No. So I don't know if that's where he had difficulty with that part, because when he was running around and he's screaming, it was the, I'm insane with anger or something. Right, right. <laughs> it's like, why can't you just rephrase a curse word? But but you know what? That must that's like one of the most self-aware things I've ever heard anyone say, an actor say. Is like I don't like the deep roles. I'm not good at them. I would rather do the be a superficial asshole. Would, Sign me up. Well, like the lethal weapon. I'd rather be like a lethal weapon guy and run around and shoot things and say cool stuff. Yeah, like what a lazy fucking actor. <laughs> but he he's like, he was big, right? Like I can't think of like I never saw oh, Braveheart, yeah. so I don't know if he was introspective in that. He was, should mean, have been, I mean, it was, I mean, he was a warrior, right? The love story part of it. I guess it's not introspective. I guess it's not personal growth, but at least it was feeling. <laughs> well, I mean, he doesn't play, he doesn't know. play robots in all the movies, but yeah, I, I guess, <laughs> I guess most of his introspection is done through action in his movies. Right. Yeah. Right? I was trying to think like it was all like. The, the done through external movement and that sort of thing. Well, Lethal mm-hmm. Weapon, he was going to kill himself, right? He had the gun. His wife had died. I mean, it was a very messed up character. It's just that he exhibited all that through action instead of through right. like sitting and thinking or using his facial expressions which he may not have many of although he, he did have the crazy expression in lethal weapon but <laughs> yeah it was it was interesting i felt like yeah i'm not sure he had enough time to just get into character with this character is what it kind of felt like or he just didn't like the character maybe he just didn't relate to it so it did feel like a little little stilted i would say so we have the scene, of course, where they're running around and the alien jumps up back up on the roof or whatever and then jumps back into the cornfield. This is like the only scene that's one of two scenes that's sort of scary in the movie to me. Mm-hmm. Right? You have this scene. You have the other scene in the cornfield. And I guess if you include the basement scene at the end, it's sort of scary. Well, I got to include the chopping off of the fingers. Yeah, I don't I know. I didn't think that was... I thought the tape in Mexico. So. I, guess I guess that's right, yeah. Where they're at the birthday party and they they have them on tape and you see the alien yep. pop out. I thought that was... That's a good jump scare. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a jump scare, I guess. I, I, just, I felt like there was much more of this, like, outside in the dark, running around, that the things were visiting them, but they didn't know what they were. I mean, it goes very quickly from, like, we have a crop circle, there's something here, to, like, 
we know there's extraterrestrials out there because the news is telling us that it's basically an invasion. Yeah, and to your point, Ray, it's like that was the most terrifying scene of the movie. Like the jump scares, I mean, you guys know I always like a good jump scare. They're good and they, they're spliced in there. But the idea that these things were real and it was surrounding him and sort of that good sense of suffocating terror that we've had in like, you know, the Haunting of Hill House and some other things where it makes you want to check under your bed type of thing. That scene was very effective at that. I thought that was good. But it was also, I, I thought it was interesting watching this again because I'd forgotten, A, how freaking slow this movie is, and B, how weirdly paced it is to your point, right, that you know what's happening like only a few minutes into the movie. And then the rest is sort of this exploration. In in so many movies we watch, you don't know what's going on. And then the big bad is introduced like much later on, like, oh, it's, you know, the twist is that it's aliens. You know, we thought that it was, you know, dust bunnies the whole time or whatever. Um, but well, <laughs> but it, like right away, you know the whole movie, it's aliens. Yeah. And even alien movies, if you go back to the, the 90s when X-Files was big and alien movies were kind of big, even then like the alien abduction movies, a lot of the movie was was spent getting up to the point that they, you know, were abducted or they knew they were abducted or they remembered the aliens. Like that right. was like the thing. It was a lot of leading up to that. Yeah, this movie really jumped in with both feet, which I mean, that's fine. It's just, it, it was interesting to me. Uh, I didn't notice it last time I'd seen the movie. It was cool, but it made it feel even slower because then you weren't even waiting for any big reveal. Like you knew what was already going on. You're like, where are we going to go from here? We got another two hours. Let's, <laughs> what's going to happen? I did want to give one quick shout out as we talk about M. Night Shyamalan being the director to the head of cinematography, this Tak Fujimoto. Um, I thought the cinematography in this was amazing. So apparently Tak's worked on Silence of the Lambs, um, Devil in a Blue Dress, and also Star Wars. And he's gotten um, a few awards for that. But as much as we do talk about exactly, agree 100% on sort of uh, the stiltedness, the way that people are angled, even the interactions and the timing. And I don't know if that's editing that could have tightened that up and made that a little bit better. But I thought some of the cinemagraphic shots in this were really cool. And I noticed that throughout the piece because I just, I like that because I feel like it's artistic as you're watching this, right? The camera's really low on the ground or falls down or they're going through the door or through the window or the opening scene, right? With the um, wavy glass. And immediately you're kind of like, oh, so this is an optical illusion type of thing. Metaphorically, what is that going to mean for the movie? So anyways, just quick shout out. I thought you did some cool things. After opening up to Merle about Colleen's death, noting her last words were, tell Merle to swing away, Graham goes to visit Ray the first time since the incident. When Graham is gone, Merle and the children watch a news report about footage taken of an alien creature in Brazil, showing that the aliens can blend into their surroundings. Merle joins the children in wearing tinfoil hats, believing that the aliens can read their minds. At Ray's, Graham finds Ray is bleeding from an injury, but otherwise apologetic for the incident. After Graham accepts his apology, Ray departs for a nearby lake, saying that they do not like water. Graham finds that Ray has trapped one of the aliens in his pantry, and he tries to see what the aliens look like by using a kitchen knife under the door. The alien grabs at him, and Graham reacts by cutting off its fingers with the knife before fleeing. On his return and hearing the news that more lights have been seen in the skies across the globe, the Hess family decides to stay in their house instead of leaving for the lake, barricading the doors and windows. Okay, so we got to talk about M. Night Shyamalan sticking himself right in the middle of the movie, right? Doesn't he do that for everything? 
Is he in all the movies? In in the Sixth Sense, he's in the in the jewelry shop buying the engagement ring. Okay, but is he just like a cameo? Like I, I think it, that's his signature is to say here I'm the person. I don't mind doing it like they did with Stan Lee in the Marvel movies, but this was like he's a full blown character and he can't act. It was awful. And and he gives you the answer to the movie, which yeah. is weird, right? Like and and he doesn't. I don't know how he knew that. Yeah, either. he's like, I noticed that all the crop circles happen to not be around water. I don't think they like water. Yeah, like, did he geographically map every single crop circle? Like, I don't know how he came to that conclusion. And yeah. wouldn't you be like, well, crop circles are on land masses. So, yes. I mean, you know, you're not seeing crop circles right. in the ocean. Yeah, so you're how also, would you know? You're also not seeing them in a desert, which is where you would expect them if they didn't like water. They yeah. just cluster. And if they're supposed to be this smart, why in the world would they come to a planet that's like 90% water yeah, anyway? Yeah, thank you. Totally. <laughs> or want to kidnap people who are 90% water. Yeah. Just didn't make any sense. And like, why would he know that he didn't like water? Like, And why is he wounded? And what? what there's just no... It's all confusing. Yeah, I have a hard time with him in this movie. I don't mind him as a, as a cameo in The Sixth Sense or whatever. That's fine. Cameo away, man. But when you put yourself in the movie and you give yourself the central focus as like the guy who caused your main character to be how he is and also give the answer to the movie, which by the way, isn't even necessary Mm -hmm. because in the end, they don't use that information. It's accidentally discovered again, right? Accidentally, I guess, proven. And then they realize it. But if he had never said that, and at the end, the water falls on the alien, you see it start to bleed. You're like, I guess that's water. And you, you go for it anyway. And I mean, here's the thing. If you had a character that was the same, you know, let's take M. Night Shyamalan out of the equation and you had some other random guy or girl in there who had, you know, pinned the wife and was just like getting the hell out of Dodge and was like, I'm just, I'm going, I'm getting the hell out of here. I don't know. I just, you know, it looks like the crop circles aren't near water. I'm I'm going to the lake. It's just the smartest thing I can think of to do. And just goes, you'd be like, okay, like whatever, fine. But the fact that he puts himself in there, and then, like I said, he can't even pull off that scene. He's so awkward in it. It's so awful. And I understand you would be awkward. He's, like, in shock, and he's talking to this husband who he hasn't spoken to or tried not to make eye contact with for the last six months. I mean, I get that you're going to be freaked out and in shock about the whole situation, but, oh, it was just so bad. And it just, like, layers on the annoyance, to your point, right, that he's, like, calling out the quote-unquote solution to this whole mess sorry so there was one thing that i read and i can't i probably should have read it a little bit more in depth but it was the movie isn't really about the aliens or it might not even be actual aliens that we're seeing here but it's all about the signs like signs of faith Mm -hmm. because the aliens are only in there for a minute and a half and it just doesn't really like so it's I don't even remember where I'm going with this. Well, well yeah, I mean, I, I think the movie is essentially this weird cross-section of a movie about religion and God and faith mm-hmm. and, and I guess, destiny or fate or some sort of higher power or whatever and this extraterrestrial thing, which usually, usually you don't see. You usually don't see those two things together. Like, usually God and aliens aren't in the same movie. Right, and then there's a kind of... I don't want to say supernatural aspect of the daughters kind of seems a bit sensitive, you know, Mm -hmm. to like to the, I need to put this water out for whatever reason. I don't really know if it was a contamination type thing because she kept saying that. And remember she had the dreams. She has visions. Right. And then the mom too with the phrase at the end. So there's, 
like several layers here. So mm-hmm. really, what was the movie supposed to be about? Yeah, and Maybe was, it's really not about the aliens. Yeah, I like that. So we took a quick sneak peek at another trailer, and I like that that other trailer referenced like the first sign, the second sign. And I was joking with these guys that, well, I'm learning more from the trailer than I did from the whole movie type of thing. So I think that to your point, Helen, there's probably some meta about these signs. But I will say, I mean, we're pretty introspective, and I didn't honestly pick up on that from the movie. Yeah, I don't really understand why the daughter, why they put the whole thing about the daughter having some dream or vision in there. Because I took it that the mother was having these visions because she was dying, right? She was closer to whatever the other side is so she could pierce the veil type of thing. Mm -hmm. Like the idea that the daughter just has dreams, like, okay, we have a psychic kid, sort of, really doesn't mean anything, right? Doesn't really play into the whole movie. Uh, except that if you believe that she's doing the water thing on purpose um, and you have the mother who's sort of, you know, giving her last will and testament vision there and then you have the aliens and then you have, you know, the overall sort of like destiny, fate, force, whatever you want to call it. And the son having the asthma in order to not breathe in the gas. Yeah. Well, that, that's having well, that medical well, that's, condition. Well, that's the whole, you. yeah, that's the whole like destiny, you, you know, nothing, nothing is coincidence, right? That's the whole signs, miracles versus coincidence type of thing. Yeah, nothing is coincidence. That's yeah, the whole thing. I mean, I, I mean, I liked it. I guess I don't know. Maybe I just, <laughs> maybe I just wasn't feeling this one on sort of like the meta level. But uh, yeah, I mean, I can see us sort of breaking it down. It had, it had some meaning there to yeah, a certain extent. I feel like towards, I guess, with all of what Ray just explained, it's all about Mel Gibson's return to faith. Sure. Oh yeah. All of this is just leading to that. But yeah. why? <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, it's not like you have any history of what he was like as a reverend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. I mean, this movie, the character arc mm-hmm. is his character arc from having lost faith to regaining faith and everything Everything in the movie serves that purpose. Yeah, and to Helen's point, it's kind of like, so what? Like, I hate to say <laughs> it, but you're kind of like, exactly, right? We don't have any... Uh, invested interest in him as a reverend as a minister right and you're not like oh my god he broke with faith like it's this big thing because you just see him as this awkward you know everyday citizen type of thing and then he comes back to being reverend i mean you do see people interact with him father father i'm not a father anymore blah 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 so you can tell he meant something to the town so that's that's for sure but yeah there's not like this big huge like oh, yes, like he's found his faith again. He's, you know, found God again, and he comes back around. You see him in the end, and you go, oh, cool, like he's a minister again or whatever. But, like, it's not – you're not rooting for him to get his faith back. Right, and it wasn't, like, a livelihood issue either. Apparently it wasn't. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) they were doing well with the corn. (laughs) I guess maybe you could assume that his relationship with his family had been damaged and that him coming – Back to his faith was also improving his relationship with his kids, especially his son, I guess, in particular. I guess you could read that into it. I will say that one of the other funny scenes is when they go into town and he goes to the drugstore mm-hmm. to get the asthma medicine and the girl behind the counter wants mm-hmm. to, like, you know, confess to him all her sins and all the cursed words she said or whatever. I thought that was a pretty funny scene. Oh, my gosh. That was the best. Unless you count douchebag. Does douchebag count as a curse? <laughs> well, it depends on how you use it. Johnny, you're a douchebag for having kissed Susan. Yes, it's a curse. Well, then it's not 36. It's 74. <laughs> that was so good. 
And then, of course, he comes back and he's like, none of you are allowed to hang out with what's her name, <laughs> you know, by yourself type of thing. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't think we said that yet. This movie is funny. Like, there are it a was lot funny. of funny scenes. I mean, I chuckled so much with the kids and their interactions. The tinfoil hats, when they come back in and Meryl walking Phoenix is sitting between the two little munchkins with his giant, you know, cone of tinfoil on. I was like, oh my God. Like, there are funny scenes in this. Um, and also, we didn't give the little ones uh, a proper shout out. Those kids were phenomenal. They were so good. I I, I could have passed on Really? Rory Culkin. <gasps> Abigail Breslin is absolutely adorable to me. She's cute, but I thought Rory did a really good job of acting like a young I boy. I can't even remember what bothered me about him, but I just was like, I don't know. Yeah. I just felt like, you know, he was kind of that sweet little, you know, just just young enough. You know, just like impressionable enough. So in my mind, probably not even quite 10 type of thing. But yeah, it, and then we were we were talking about the Culkin brothers, and I was like, is this the same kid in Succession, the new HBO show? No, oh, I haven't seen that. So one of the Culkin, anyways, I looked it up, and it's not. There are three yes, I Culkin know that. brothers. Yeah. So um, yes, this this younger brother is in this, and he's been in a few other things, but it's, um, I guess, the middle brother is in the Succession one. But they all look so similar. It's like... Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> that's family resemblance right there. Yeah. So he goes to see Ray, and Ray tells him about the water. Ray leaves, and then he goes back in to see the alien, and this is the other sort of tense part of the movie, I guess, when he's using the knife to to try to see the alien and ends up chopping its fingers off. And I thought it was I thought it was pretty funny because he tries, and then he kind of walks away, and he turns around and says, all right, all right, fine, I'll come back. I'll, I'm going to try one more time just to see. I thought that was kind of funny too. I guess it bothered me, but then I was like, it's kind of realistic. I don't know. I felt ambivalent. I had mixed emotions on that one. Yeah, I, I first of all, would not have gone into his house. The guy killed your wife. I know it was an accident, but I would just be like, we had the conversation. I'm going back home. I'm not entering your house to see this. It was so unnecessary. I guess that's yeah. how I just felt about the whole thing. Yeah, I feel the same way. Like, oh, let me just break in here and go see the alien. Like, if you're going to do it, do it or don't. You know what I mean? I don't know. You guys know I'm a survivalist. So I'd be like, okay, that's great. I'm turning around and going home. Yeah, like, they can't figure out how bother. to um, open a pantry door, but then all of a sudden they're really good at problem solving. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the fudge? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Can't figure out how to open a window, apparently. Yeah, I don't know. I can make my way down your coal chute that you didn't even know you had in your own darn house, but, you know, can't open the pantry door. Yeah, that thing. And then I just have to call out the whole finger cutting off was the first moment in the film that I just went, oh, because it was like this weird slow-mo bad special effect of the fingers being sliced off. And I was like, what was that? They were ugly fingers. Yeah, and... Part of me is it was like, is it just because TVs are super high definition these days that this looks really bad? It didn't look so bad on my bad TV. It just like, <laughs> yeah. And but like, but then I was like, did they digitally enhance or digitally edit that to slow it down? Because it was like a little jumpy the way that they did it. And then I was like, well, did they do that on purpose to make it look like the X Files or like bad eighties filmography? I was just like. Whatever they were attempting for there, it was bad. I would have them rather had some kind of like, you know, practical effects of, you know, a, a hand coming out and him literally just showing him slicing off the fingers and the, and the hand going back in. Like, and maybe they did. And maybe it was just, again, the way that it was shot and edited that made it so poor. But immediately I was like, 
oh my God, like this whole time we haven't really seen the aliens. They've done a good job of playing around the aliens. You know, A, probably not, so they're not blowing the budget, right, on special effects. And B, it really leaves this kind of mystique to these creatures, which was cool. But then the first time you really see their hand, I just thought it was really, they dropped the ball. I thought it was bad. So the alien was supposed to not be visible. Mm, that would have been better. Yeah, well, he said he couldn't get the, I guess, the CGI or whatever effect to work right. So he decided to have this kind of, well, it was supposed to then be a skinny female body, but they weren't as slinky, I guess. I don't know how you want to describe the way that the tall figure walks. Mm-hmm. Um, so they ended up doing it with male figure. But yeah, I was like, I don't know how I feel because that's kind of bird box like, you know, the, you don't know you what you're looking at because you can't see it. But like, I don't mind would that. Would I be more scared? I liked how they popped out in the, I had said Mexico before, but Brazilian movie. That freaked me out. So I don't, I think having that just like that pop of here's a thing that's not right kind of made me more scared, but not throughout the movie. Like yeah. the fact that he only did it for the minute and a half was good. Sure. Yeah. What do you think, right? Well, yeah, it definitely sounds bird boxy to me. And actually made me think of his other movie, The Happening, where the trees are like killing everybody. Like you can't really see. Like I wonder if he has this thing about unseen, you know, dangers or or whatever. I don't know. You know what I mean? I would have liked that more too. I mean, not only because it leaves it more to your imagination and you get less bad practical effects, but also because it would have played more into the whole meta of God even more. Right, that you can't see these aliens. Right. What is this form? Is it a force, or is it like a physical alien that semi resembles right a biped human? Yeah, I'm not sure how you do the movie the same way then if you can't see him because how does he know how to hit him? How do you know what you know what I mean? Like the whole thing becomes very bird boxy. Like you don't yeah. actually know what the things are, and I guess you see the spaceships or the spaceship lights. But right. I mean, they did say the spaceships go invisible, right? right? They have cloaking or whatever. And then the bird ran into it. And the bird ran into it, which I w- would have rather seen. I think that would have been funny. That, but, yeah. I was expecting when they said it and you're just sitting there looking at that scene on the tapes. Yeah, they're saying we're showing it over and over again. Right. I'm like, well, where's the darn bird? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> you're like, for thing. the love of God, somebody draw a magic marker across the screen and <laughs> we, we can make this work. After an emotionally charged dinner, they hear the same noises on the baby monitor before their television signal drops out and place the final barricades and defenses before they gather together. When the aliens begin trying to gain entry into the house, the family discovers they have left the attic door unguarded and quickly retreat into the basement. The aliens assault the basement door, and in the subsequent chaos, the light goes out as Graham and Merrill prevent their entry. However, Morgan suffers an asthma attack when the aliens attempt to enter by the way of an old coal chute. By morning, reports on the radio reveal that the aliens have left Earth as suddenly as they arrived. Graham leaves the basement to locate Morgan's asthma inhaler, the others following him. But they discover that an alien, the one trapped in Ray's home, is still there and takes Morgan hostage. Colleen's last words come back to Graham, and he instructs Merrill to swing away with a baseball bat from his minor league days. Merrill attacks the alien, but not before it attempts to poison Morgan by spraying him with a toxin from its body. Graham recovers his son when the alien drops him, while Merrill continues to attack the alien, causing it to fall into the ground, knocking over one of the glasses of water. Knocking over one of the glasses of water, Bo had left and splashing it with water. The family sees that water reacts like acid on its skin, making it scream in agony, and Merle begins knocking it into the furniture intentionally where Bo left water and is, it is doused with water full on its face and dies. While Graham takes Morgan outside with his medication and administers it to Morgan and waits for his son to wake up, hoping that due to his lungs being closed from his previous asthma attack, 
he was spared. Then Morgan wakes up and the family rejoices. Sometime later, the Hess family is recovered from the incident, and they appear to be doing much better than before. In the final scene, Graham is shown returning to his priestly duties, having apparently regained his faith. So, like, did anybody feel bad about the dog that was left outside? <laughs> I mean, I felt bad for all the animals, because they all kind of, right? Yeah. Had a very untimely death, but... Yeah, but you could also see how reasonably that would happen, that you're running around barricading the house, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, crap, the dog. Yeah. It just, yeah, yeah then you hear the whimpering, and then yeah. it just kind of, like, stops. But I was also like, are they harvesting the animals? Like, what? <laughs> right. <laughs> you going to eat those, too? Yeah, you really don't know what the aliens are there for. I mean, they're there for people, I guess. They're trying to get the people, but what are they doing with the people? Are they eating them? Are they mutating them into something? Yeah, I mean, what, what are they actually doing? We don't know. Yeah. So the scene there after the dinner uh, when they go down in the basement, I thought that was pretty tense, right? I mean, you have like the alien trying to get through the door and he kind of has the door prop uh, propped shut with the uh, pickaxe or whatever. And they have this coal chute that apparently nobody knew about, <laughs> right? That the aliens find, like you said, Helen, and they're down there just trying to grab him. But I guess the aliens really don't care that much because I would have thought they could have broken the door down and or something. I don't know. You know, I was, I have to be honest, I was a little bit like efforts versus outputs on this one. I was like, you've got how many aliens attacking this one house, this one tiny house in the middle of how many acres of farmland to, to reap what, four bodies? Really, I mean, that's what you're, that's where you're choosing to focus your armies, you, you know, not just blatantly sticking to cities and, and the, the seaboards and that type of thing. I was like, what? why would you put that much time and effort? It's kind of like Christmas. Santa only has so much time to go around the world and deliver all these presents. But no, we're going to spend a whole evening trying to break into this one house. I was like, what? <laughs> Why? Maybe. Just move on to the next house. Well, maybe they actually sent out their best alien hunters out into the town. And these were like the rejects. Uh, they were only like the junior hunters. were only allowed to go like a mile away from the ship and do their little hunting <laughs> thing. They didn't really expect them to get anything. They were like, all right, guys, you go out there, they, they see get, what you can do in the house and come back. And they came back empty handed. Well, they got the dog. They got the dog, I guess, so, yeah. They that, probably thought it was a human. That <laughs> that would make so much more sense, yeah, because even though that they were just starting to bang on the door and they're just making noise to distract us, you're like, well, you're not even pushing up against the door, so all they'd have to do is turn the stupid handle and walk right in, apparently. That whole scene kind of annoyed me. Like, wouldn't you still be freaking out and holding that door? I would be. I mean, you've got that... Uh, yeah, or pushing stuff against it or sad something. Sad little pickaxe against there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's going to stop them. Sure. On your dirt floor. No problem. Yeah, that whole scene was stupid. But um, I like the creepy metallic hand coming through the coal stove. That was great, right? Yeah, I mean, they all the, the aliens all look weird because they, like, change whatever the reflection or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, morph to their Ca surroundings. Camouflage, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> camouflage. Like the original Alien movie, right? Predator. Predator, yeah. Yeah, just like Predator. Yeah. Without the cool laser cannon or dreadlocks. <laughs> that's what this movie needed, more dreadlocks. Yeah. Well, so they so they go upstairs the next day, and I guess the, the one alien, like, missed the ship home. 
he he got he was stuck in the closet <laughs> and he and he missed his ride. Dude, that alien was pissed. Yeah, and so he he came to the to the house. I guess I don't know why he was trying to get the son. I guess he was just doing his thing. But can someone revenge, exp- baby? I, he was like, "You guys go. I'm gonna get these bastards that stole my fingers." <laughs> so who I let guess. him out of the pantry? An alien friend or? He eventually got his got out. I guess <laughs> another problem solving friend. Yeah, <laughs> he was just slow. <laughs> That's what I'm telling you. He intentionally was like, "Peace out. I'm staying here. I'm gonna go and get the, oh, this gosh. family." Yeah, I remember my two fingers. It's like so, like how did he even find this? I don't know. Yeah, how, how did he track him down? Very coincidental. All well, you can think is like they're psychic on some level, or could smell them. Something behavioral. Well, I figured right that house is the closest house to the crop circle, which is the closest house maybe to the ship. He was on his way back, and he missed. And that's a lot no. of thought. Whatever. Like he's on his way. <laughs> it was yeah. intentional. He hunted him down because he chopped know. off his fingers. It was like a yeah, like the end of the between the two guys. Let's fight it out. Oh, no, he I chopped get, my I, fingers off. No, I, I get that it was the guy that. Spray your son. Yeah, the alien that had his fingers chopped off. I'm just saying that I'm not sure how... I'm stealing this meat sack right here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's also your son. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's a twofer. Yeah, because, I mean, he was there when they came up out of the thing, right? I mean, so I don't know how he would have known. <laughs> you know? Like, lots of unanswered questions yeah. in this movie. But, like, can you... can Why do aliens these days, by these days I mean over the last, like, 30 years, why don't... They're technologically <laughs> advanced. Right, they fly these ships that can go through intergalactic space, but they don't wear clothes <laughs> or armor or or weapons or, or do, anything or do research. Well, on a they're, that's they're 90% yeah. their clothes were camouflaged on their own camouflaged bodies. <laughs> you can't, can't, yeah, if they wore clothes, you, would, you wouldn't be able to see right, you know, I, they wouldn't be I, camouflaged. I guess a camouflage really didn't work that well, it didn't work that well. I mean, I also felt if this was a little bit more war of the world worlds e this would have been cooler just from that technical like you know you're sending in your ground troops to grab these people one by one from their houses really why don't you just get like a giant vacuum yeah 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 war of the worlds which maybe we'll do we're talking about the the, um tom cruise one i think yes in particular yes yes. but yeah i mean they got they have these big machines that scoop up people and suck them up and zap them into dust Did you see and... that no oh, oh yeah sorry yeah. spoiler alert sorry, sorry. <laughs> oh my god my life is ruined now yeah uh, no it's good it's actually worth seeing it's so okay i'll forget we'll by yeah, the time i watch so, the movie anyway so, so like this is what they were talking about holy shit so whereas this movie has slow mel gibson that movie has fast, fast running tom cruise because yeah. Tom Cruise runs in every movie. So mm, yeah. obviously he runs from the minute he's on screen to the minute he's off screen. Yeah. Mission Impossible. I would like to see him style. run in real Plus life. Do they like, okay, talking about running actors when you see people run. <laughs> this Here is we a little, go. A little off topic. Here we go. No, go for it. Do they make, the, do they speed up the camera? Because they run so fast. Oh, yeah. It's totally tricky. Like, yeah. why don't you just let them run? Okay, the other thing that drives me nuts is you'll see that they take very slow car scenes and they'll add engine noises to them to make it look like or sound like the car is going fast. And you're like, that car is only going 20 miles per hour. <laughs> but it's like, mm, and you're like, that's not an 80 mile per hour car chase. That car is not going anywhere. Yeah, it's the same thing. You're absolutely oh, okay. right. They'll move the camera. They'll speed them up. I mean, they'll have them do sprints and stuff like that. Yeah, but, but Tom Cruise, yeah. when he runs, he looks like he's like going for it. Yeah. Well, it is amazing. Yeah. That's because he's acting really well. <laughs> right? Like he's, he's a runner. Com- he's committed to the running. Yeah. No. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm such a slow runner. I think he's got to be probably one of the better 
uh, actor runners out there, though. I think that's smaller. This is my theory. Smaller people run faster. Yeah. And he is a tiny man. I'm really sure. Yeah, he's, he's like smaller <laughs> than me. <laughs> Um, I, I give him credit though. Yeah, for sure. He goes for it. Well, while Mel Gibson can apparently, you know, needs millions more dollars to raise an eyebrow and get into character <laughs> as he's just doing the gestures going through this one. I think the thing that makes me so upset about the mom scene, I don't know if he really talked about, you know, the mom gets hit by the car, is pretty much severed in half, is they're trying to have him talk to her and to have like the last words, which is very emotional, but I really wish that they had met met the made the veterinarian an ass. Like if he had been drunk, at least you would have been able to hate him. This was like a situation where he couldn't hate him because he didn't mean to do it. It was a complete accident. And I just felt like really frustrated by that. Like this whole thing just changed this whole family's life. I think that was the point though, right? I know, that it was supposed but like, to be that don't way. You, like it would have been nice to hate somebody. You can't hate the aliens. You only see them for a minute. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, I guess that's the, yeah, that's the point of the movie, right? Is that he can't, he can't hate the guy because yeah. it's not the guy's fault. It's his fault, but it, you know, it's, it was meant to be, as they said multiple times in the movie, yeah, I, I guess. Just, I don't know. I just. All right. So anything else we want to say about the movie itself before we move on? Uh, just really quickly that I thought that the special effects of the alien skin when they zoomed up and showed like the reflection of the face and stuff, I thought that was well done. Yeah, I agree. I do have a few fun facts. Right. Oh, yeah. All right. So the stories of the children's births, I think he starts telling it at oh, the dinner table. As they're boarding no. up the house. Yeah, as they're boarding up the house are actually the stories of M. Night Shyamalan's kids. Aww. It like felt so real. Yeah. So I'm not surprised. It, they were so well detailed. I was like, oh my God. Like I felt like I was there in the delivery room with them. Yeah. That was yeah. Cool. I thought he did a really good job oh, in portraying that. That's good. That's all I got. <laughs> Only one more fun fact. I already read them all. <laughs> anything, anything about the dinner scene. I didn't even get to talk about that. That was one of the best scenes in the movie, I felt like. Mel Gibson gets really mad. I'm just going to eat everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crying with a mouthful of French toast. <laughs> and mashed potatoes. <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah. That was intense. And there was your anger. That was like anger and sadness and frustration all rolled in. That was probably the best acted scene in the movie, I thought. Yeah, I agree. And it felt really real family-wise because the brother's just kind of like, I don't know what the hell to do. <laughs> like, I, I, I felt like the brother's like, you're a monster. Yeah. And the child, right, is it the... The Bo's sobbing. All the kids are sobbing. Right. They're crying. What? And the son says, I hate you. Yeah. I really hate sad. you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, that was that was an intense but good scene. The other thing about this, this is also off topic. <laughs> you're sitting there and you're saying, anybody can have this for dinner. Whatever you want for dinner. That's a lot of dishes. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, a lot of kitchen. Prep. Yeah, I did see the kitchen. But it's just like, you're making so much food for one six-year-old child. Yeah, but it's their last meal, right? That was theoretically. The whole... Yeah, I was like, oh, are they going to do right like a Jesus in the last meal thing here? What do we? No, huh? Hmm. And you they... see Jesus in the potatoes. They... <laughs> I know, right? They didn't play into it as much as I thought they might have, but of course, it was the idea of their last meal. So that is true. I appreciated that though. That he was like, we're all going to die, so you can eat whatever you want. But yes, it was a lot of prep. Also, I was like, somebody's going to name something that you don't have the ingredients right, for. Right, yeah. I want pistachio ice cream. Uh, <laughs> mm. uh, so technicalities kind of ruined that a little bit, like uh, bruised that for me a little bit. But then I was like, no, I'm just going to go with it. And then it was cute. And then it was awful. Yeah. And then it was good yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. It was a roller coaster of a dinner. <laughs> 
So we're going to do kill, chill, and thrill. So you get to kill somebody you can't stand, chill with somebody, which you have to hang out with whoever you'd like to, and have sex with somebody that you are interested in. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> Slim pickings. <laughs> this movie's going to be tough. Um, I guess we'll start with Anne. Because then I'm just going to steal your... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, who am I going to kill? I mean, that's no-brainer. M. Night Shyamalan and your lame character. Sorry, dude. You can stay on as the director. That's totally fine. Stop. Uh, what would the proper term be? Shanghaiing your own movies? <laughs> chill. Um, I feel like I'd chill with um, our cop girl, our cop lady. She was just cool. I just, I liked her generally. She was kind of like just small towny enough. And then who would I throw with? I mean, I guess, you know, not a lot of options. I guess I've got to go with Joaquin Phoenix. All right, Ray. So I'm going to kill the alien that killed the dog. Oh. We don't know who that is, but, you know, I mean, you don't have to kill the dog. You could have just tried to get in the house. Maybe you just you know what I mean? barking annoying. I think they're maybe, harvesting maybe. them. I don't know. Uh, who would I chill with? I am going to chill with the bookstore owners. Oh. I, I, I like those and people. And not kill them. They're, what? No, they're you cool. don't. They're cool people. Yeah, I mean, they don't have any books about aliens. I don't know what kind of books they have. I'd be interested in what, what the five books they have in there are. Lots because of uh, Jane Austen, probably. Yeah, I mean, you're you're only, what, 45 minutes from Philadelphia, but you don't have a, a book about aliens? That's that's nonsense. Nonsense. I call shenanigans on that. In two, okay. In 2003. Yep. And who am I going to... Uh, thrill with let's see that's interesting because there's not much uh not many options for me in this movie i would almost say there's almost no options for me would, would that pharmacist girl be of age or no, no she's probably not of age she's high school probably not but, but no. i so i am gonna go with <laughs> i'm gonna go with the upper half of the bomb Oh, oh no, that's not right. <laughs> oh yeah. Ew. It's, the uh, upper half of the mom. Well, she doesn't have a lower half. I mean, what are you gonna do? I mean, I mean the lower half is somewhere. That's uh yeah, that's gross. But I mean there's oh, really not no. much going on. There's really not much going Probably on. So. Yeah, that's um, not right. This, hey, this is a horror podcast. What do you want? Uh, at least it was an entertaining answer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. I'm gonna kill Ted Sutton. The army recruiter because uh, something was really messed up with him. Dude, he was perfect though. I thought he was perfect too. Yeah, the creepy like, teeth and the, the <laughs> yeah, so he looked like he popping. was yeah, like messed up on something. He was so too weird. perfect. Like, why would some Podunk town, Bob Podunk town, have this perfect army dude in there? Yeah. Anyway, because those farm boys. Yeah. I guess. They got okay. big strap and muscles. Easy pickings out there for the recruitings. I don't want to. Plow their fields so they'll join the military. I don't. I don't really know. Did you see all of his stripes? I was like, "What's this dude being a recruiter? He's got a bazillion, like a chest full of army stripes, right? What are those things called? They're called ribbons. Ribbons. Same difference. Anyway. <laughs> he was stacked. I, 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 I was like, "What's this guy? Has like a purple heart? He's out here recruiting." Yeah. Maybe he was towards retirement. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that explains why he was a just a goofy character. Oh God! So I'm going to. Hang out with, I guess, I don't know. Um, I'll hang out with Abigail Breslin because she was cute. I'll hang out with her. We'll go, you know, to the park. Oh, God. I guess I have to have sex with Joaquin Phoenix and he's just not my type. Well, you can do older Joaquin. Yeah, I mean, there are many different no, kinds of Joaquin. None, none of them. M Mel Gibson? No, none of them. None of them. Mel? Yeah. Mel Gibson? Pre, no. Pre-racist rants? He looks like he's, like, he. I know he's, like... 
not that much older than me at this point. But God, no. My face is like, I know, don't do it. No. Um, you want to say, ooh, Brazilian birthday boy, but then you're like, oh, wait, he no, was that was that child, six-year-old. Yeah. No. I don't know. Maybe his dad was hot. Yeah. Let's go with that. The off-screen <laughs> Brazilian <Yes>. boy's father. <laughs> we'll take it. All right. Well, now that we've reviewed the movie, it's time to rate it. Only the best movies make it to the top of the hill, and to be the best, they have to perform in three categories. First is technical composition, which represents how well the movie is made, including the script, directing, cinematography, acting, and effects. Second is impact, which represents how well the movie accomplished its emotional intent. Was it scary or funny? Did it make you question mankind or the nature of your reality? And finally, enjoyment, which is pretty simple. How much did you enjoy the movie? Would you watch it again? Do you never want to watch it again? All right, so our rating scale goes from a 1 to a 10, with 1 being the worst and 10 being the best. And why don't you give us your scores? Okay, so kicking it off for the science rating in technical. All right, so this one's interesting because you heard me say, one, I felt like they really played to their strengths, not focusing too much on the alien. I like the idea that they were kind of skirting around, not showing us too much of the alien. Until the end when we saw the alien and other than the cool shimmer skin effect in some of the shots, I didn't think it was delivered too well. However, as you all know, I'm loving the cinematographer on this one. I thought the shots were genuinely artistic and interesting. So they're winning back some points on that one. Um, So for sort of the effects, I'm giving a very middle of the road. I'm going to bump this one up, though, due to cinematography to about a seven. And then for impact, so it was interesting because I thought while watching this, it really elicited a lot of different emotions. So as I was watching it, I was like, oh, I'm going to give this impact actually pretty darn high. You know, it was kind of scary at points. I had a couple of jump scares. It wasn't as scary as I remembered it being, but it was also funny. And I thought the intent was well delivered. But then as we sat here and talked about it, and it sounds like this whole meta behind the signs and the finding God again... That just did not hit the mark for me. Maybe I was just a total dummy while watching this. I was just totally oblivious. But unfortunately for, you know, sort of missing the mark on the impact, I'm going to give it a six. And then enjoyment overall, you know, I enjoyed this. I was nostalgic. It's my hometown. It was kind of cool going back and seeing that again. So, you know, for that, I'm going to bump it up. I'm going to give it an eight. Okay, Helen. Okay, so for technical, I gave it a five. I wasn't blown away by any of the effects i thought that the as ann said the cinematography like the way the wind blew and the corn stalks were kind of going and just all the kind of normal nature sounds that you hear on top of with the alien sounds was really cool but other than that i wasn't really thinking that this was that exciting of a a movie for me for impact i also agreed with ann i laughed i cried i missed a little bit because i don't really cry and i i jumped so i gave it an eight and for enjoyment, I gave it a six. I don't know if I'd need to see this again, but I do, along with Anne, feel that the first time I saw it, I don't think I took away the concepts that I did the second time that I've seen it now. So I feel like there's like a little bit more, I don't know, soul searching that I saw more of the religious part this time, whereas the first time, I, I don't even know if I thought it was that funny the first time. So I enjoyed it a lot more this round, I think, than the first one. So I gave that a six. All right, well, for technical composition, I gave this movie a four. I thought it was, while well shot, uh, 
I wasn't really digging the whole plot. You have these aliens come in for what reason? And they don't like water, but they come to this planet anyway. And okay, you have the whole faith thing with the priest. I get that. But the intersection with the aliens, you have M. Night Shyamalan making himself the primary kind of answer to this whole riddle. I don't know. I, I didn't enjoy that. The acting was stilted. I could feel the director sort of moving the, the characters, puppeteering, as you said, Helen. So I'm giving it a four. Uh, impact. Uh, average gave it a five. I laughed. Like you say, I laughed. It was funny. Um, I do agree with Anne, though, that if the primary purpose of the movie was this character arc of losing faith to gaining faith, that seemed to me to not be... I don't know, it didn't impact me, I guess. And maybe it was because the way that Gibson was acting was so, I don't want to say subdued, because he wasn't subdued all the way through the movie, but I don't know, there was a distance there for me between what he was doing and what I was watching. I don't know if it was the director again or, or what. And then for enjoyment, um, I'm going to give it a four. I enjoyed the movie enough. I don't really want to watch it again. I, It was what it was. Oof, that was brutal, Ray. All right, so summing it all up, and I thought I was being kind of tough on this movie. I rated this movie the highest, giving Signs a 7. Helen comes in second, giving it a 6.33. And Ray bringing it out the bottom at a 4.33. Yikes. That brings the total average of Signs to a 5.89. You know what? I put this on par with Gerald's game, which is very close to it. So I think that's fair. You know, it's kind of like, interesting. I'd watch it again, but not that deep and not that well developed. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I probably would want to see Gerald's Game again only because there was a lot of sort of interpersonal stuff going on with it. Um, I think it, it impacted me more, I guess. But I agree. From a quality of a movie pers perspective, I agree with that. And it's right below Veronica. And I could see that, right? I think it works. Yeah, I agree. I think that at least with Gerald's game, there's a book. So if you read that, you could go back and rewatch and see if you picked up on anything else. Although I am chuckling a little bit, Ray, because your impact score on Gerald's game is a three. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe yeah. not so impactful. See, this is nice because we can use this as a record to either yay or nay future watchings. Mm, that's Be like, true. No, but you actually said this movie sucks, FYI. <laughs> so let's not. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, if you enjoyed this podcast, help us grow our audience, rate and review us on iTunes, and please share with your friends and family on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media platforms. Give us a shout out to tell us how we're doing or suggest movies to review. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also email us at host.hth at gmail.com. I want to thank you for joining us for this episode of Hilltop Horror Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Ray Richards, and on behalf of my co-hosts, thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time. 